Hi everybody, we are Matt and Kevin and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week we talk about the Vancouver Titans implosion, more hero pool changes, and Echo's takeover in the league matches. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the gameplay section of the week 13 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Hope you've had a good week of gaming and playing and staying entertained. How has your gaming and week of entertainment gone, Kevin? Uh, it's been going all right. Um, on on my half, I've been watching a lot of anime and playing a lot of games. Um Getting a couple games of Overwatch, more casual, more like just with friends, not not so much in competitive, um, and being a trader and playing a lot of Valorant as well. Uh, so balancing that out, and then anime-wise, like still watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, getting through it, and uh, with my friends, I'm watching like Samurai Champloo, which is done by the same guy who did uh, Cowboy Bebop. So we're kind of reviving over there. Um, other than that, like you know since it's quarantine the whole our internal clocks are all over the place uh i'm literally a vampire now um <laughs> and that's that's it. melt in the sun i melt in the or sun sparkle. do you sparkle or do you burn? no no i burn i burn completely i uh i disappear uh <laughs> so i have to stay inside i shun the light and uh just stay indoors now uh, how about you how, how's your games going I've had good games and I've had bad games. We had our second um, match for the Zomniks, my team. Um, uh, we we had good practice rounds that just all went out the window on the actual day of our game. Um, my tanking sucked, like, really badly. Like, we did better than we did our first round, but my tanking sucked really badly, and we lost. So... I need to work on that a lot. Were you playing Ryan? The entire I was game? playing Ryan. I was playing Ryan in Sigma, and I think I switched to Hog at one point. My Sigma was good. Like the one time I played Sigma, well, not the one time, but one of the the matches that we actually did well on was I was playing Sigma. But the rest of it was just no, no, no. I need to figure. I'm. My problem is that I'm either, um going to aggro or I'm being too defensive and there's like no I haven't found that middle yet like I'll start by going aggro and then I'll get caught out and then I'll go too defensive where I'm not I'm like not swinging the hammer and I'm just waiting for the fire strikes a big problem I also noticed with my play is that whenever I go to shatter I get killed like I'll be he'll I'll be right about to hit the down on hammer down and then I'm dead so that's that's something I need to figure out my timing on better. Yeah, it does take a while for at least it took me a while to learn all of the timings before I like went in and and did it. Um, but yeah, the the way how I have to learn how to play it, uh, play Reinhardt and play, you know, the Shatter game. Um, I do this. I essentially, if there's an enemy Reinhardt, an enemy barrier, you break it first, but the way how you time it is you tell your team to shoot it 
you wind up your ult before it breaks and you trust your team to break the shield before it finally goes down and then by the time that shatter goes through it's like it's they're already gone um it's one of those things where most teams are just like oh well they have shield let's not shoot it uh the the correct answer is to just break through it it's a it's a temporary thing so uh mm-hmm. you you want to make it as temporary as you can like yes like there's things that you don't have to worry about and then one of them is like you know ammo supply like not having bullets at a certain point you will always have like ammo you just reload it so if anything just spam everything into the into the shield uh you'll be okay and then shatter then um and then also just make sure that you have hp before you go in um even if you get like stopped or you get killed during your shatter like just know that you were doing the right play it it is a very difficult line to straddle between being defensive and offensive especially as a tank but you you pick it up you start having crazy game sense and you'll you'll get it can you imagine if overwatch had limited ammo and what that would do with the shield game yeah that's what they were experimenting what they said like oh yeah we did experiment with uh with ammo capacity and uh what is it and fall damage like things like that uh it it was an interesting idea um but honestly i'm glad that they took it out and they didn't make us hunt for ammo packs like i remember in tf2 days like it's it's insane like stuff just happens um you just like there was a certain point where like you would be in the middle of a game and you just lose ammo like you just you don't have enough ammo to fire your gun um so now you have to you have to swap it for something else or you have mm-hmm. to do something weird with it so it it does get kind of difficult not gonna lie um but yeah i'm glad that Overwatch did not give us you know searching for ammo halfway through the map um the same way how we search for health when we need it um it's just one less thing that you have to worry about yeah i mean this is just a, a random semi-topical question from me um what is the story behind valorant does it have a story because like overwatch we have the overwatch story apex i think they're in like a tournament or something yeah um Fortnite, they're going after some chicken dinner yeah uh, i guess something like that uh, yeah there's no lore there's no lore for valorant yet uh there's a little bit like in game like when you're playing the characters will say stuff um uh, if you guys want to know i play viper she's like a poison toxic woman uh but she her whole apparently her whole backstory according to her like lines is like somebody took away her home and she's mad at everyone so she's going to kill them all with poison uh and that's her Hmm. that's her character story uh so i think one of the funniest things is just to be like you know what? Somebody just repoed her house. She's just mad. She's just like some... They, they took away her trailer park house and she's mad. Um, but yeah, honestly, there's no lore yet. But knowing Riot, they're probably going to do something with it. Interesting. Okay. So that's probably a later down the line thing once it's out of beta. Yeah, it's still it's in beta, beta, right? It's still in beta. There's nothing else like that they've added yet. Um, but yeah, I hope I hope we get something later down the line that we could enjoy. Um, but yeah, there's there's no story yet. Uh, 
Let's just hope that we get it out of beta. So let's get into the actual Overwatch gameplay of the week. Um, so this was the very first week that Echo was actually eligible to be played in the league. Um, I know last week she was banned, but like she wasn't actually available to be, to be played in the league anyway. So that was good for us because that means the first week that she's actually eligible, there was no way that they could take her out of the hero pool no matter how much people in the competitive ladder played her or well, not in the competitive ladder because we couldn't because of the, the old hero ban rules, which I guess we'll get into later. Um, so this week's hero bans were McCree, Widow, Hammond, and Mercy. Um, the map pool was the Control, Hybrid, Assault, Escort, and then back onto Control. So day one, we had the Charge versus the Dynasty, the NYXL versus the Dragons, the Fuel versus the Justice, the Valiant versus the Rain, and the Outlaws versus the Shock. Um, I this week I didn't watch. Which one's in there? I didn't watch day one the Valiant and the Rain, because um, that match was like two hours and sixteen minutes long or something. <laughs> this entire weekend was really long matches. It was yeah. kind of exhausting to watch as much as I did. How much did you get in, Kevin? Uh, I barely got anything in. Like, I had a tournament on the first day. Um, oh, how'd that go? It it went all right. Um, and then we had I had scrims with the other team on the second day. So it, unfortunately, like I didn't get to watch a lot of the gameplay itself. I did though hear all of the the Twitter trash talk that happened between the Shock and the NYXL during that. Uh, during their first day match and so i did take a peek at some of the highlights and i i was uh laughing pretty hard okay day one so the charge versus the dynasty this was a very interesting matchup because i remember like after last if you watched the dynasty last week um they had one win and they had one loss so they lost against the dragons which i think everyone was kind of expecting but they lost a lot worse than anyone thought they would and they were able to definitely definitively beat the hunters so um it it left the dynasty in a really weird place in in people's power rankings um so they're coming in this week i was very apprehensive as to how they would perform um and against the charge and i guess if you haven't watched it, spoilers, they lost against the Spark too. So they lost against both of the middling Chinese teams um, pretty badly. It was 3-0, I think, believe both ways. Yeah, it was, they lost, they got steamrolled both ways. Um, I'm really not sure what's happening to the Dynasty. They're, they're just really not able to get value out of their alts. They're, they're very messy. It's like, you can't, I can't chalk this up to be being dragged down by that Chengdu clown fiesta because the dynasty aren't playing in a very cohesive way They're as opposed to the, um, the charge and the spark who maybe it's because they, they've been playing in, in this season, at least for a lot longer. And they've been playing together for a lot longer than the dynasty have. Um, maybe that's taking a toll on them, but um, they're just, they're just really not looking good right now they lost both days so um they really don't have a good record against the chinese teams um we'll have to see if because next week i believe they're playing the dragons again oh they have 14. the hunters and they have 
Oh, no, they, they do have the dragons. They have the dragons and they have... Wait, am I looking at the wrong week? I think you're looking at 15. Oh, yeah, we're on week 14. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, so yeah, for those of you who don't know, the Overwatch League has actually released two weeks of games ahead of time. So they're maybe it's just because of the, the May tournament coming up, but maybe they're actually kind of back on their stride again. Um, so we actually have a, technically three weeks of matches planned now, but 16, week 16 doesn't count because it's supposed to just be whatever is the results of these three weeks of May play. But they're playing the Dragons next week. So the question is, is can they figure out what they're doing wrong fast enough to be able to even even get get one map like you just complete one map against the dragons um they need to show some life because like at least last season they they were they didn't win but they got far enough that people did respect them as a strong team right now they're not they're not doing so well yeah and they have a pretty solid lineup for their roster as well um they're just not the same team as they were like the year before um this is just talking from experience like the soul dynasty used to be um just what element mystic was it was just a really solid team um but their roster now like is no shab either i mean they have gesture they have fits they have profit and marvel but like they're just not like pushing it to the best of their ability um i yeah. feel like they, if they clean up their act a little bit and and play, I feel like if they if they got more reps in, they would probably be equally as good or just as good as the the Shanghai Dragons. But um, I do feel like the the hiatus did hit them a little bit. They were doing really well at the very beginning, and then they just kind of fell mm -hmm. off. Um, but yeah, they they just need to find their footing. I feel like they're they're gonna be okay. I yeah, I'm gonna I'm blaming this right now at least on being gone for so long and having just so much chaos with where they're living the the corona situation so um i don't know if they'll be able to pull it together by next week i'm hoping that by week 15 they'll they'll at least have something they like you said they are going to be playing the hunters that week and that's it they did beat the hunters last week they did beat the hunters in week 13 or week 12 so there's hope i want to see them do well because i do really like this whole dynasty um but right now they're they're playing like a team that hasn't played together before yeah they, they look like a fresh set of legs they need to they need to get their cohesion together um but honestly like i feel like they just need to turn it around if anything they just need reps and everything else and I feel like they'll be okay, but right now against Chinese teams that have been playing for weeks or even months more than you have, like you are gonna look messy compared to them. So, um, yeah, the, this week did not look good for this old dynasty, but I hope that they could turn it around. Oh my God, my team, the Zomnites, is the Soul Dynasty. Like we we are going up against teams that have been playing for. I believe we started our first match in the league, like professionally when teams were on their seventh match. So um, we're in that same boat. So I'm, I'm going to use that as our excuses to why we're so messy still. Um, so moving on to the NYXL versus the Dragons, which was 
I think for me was the match I was the most excited for all weekend. And I remember last weekend the the casters were um compare were preparing for the the Shanghai Dragons versus the Seoul Dynasty as like a a an amazing match that was going to be finale caliber. I think that the NYXL versus Dragons was that what that match was supposed to be. Because both of these teams are the NYXL is coming from the same place as the the Seoul Dynasty where they're fresh. They haven't been playing because of they've moved to Korea and all the craziness over there. But unlike the the Seoul Dynasty, the NYXL came out swinging and they they won both their games last week. Um and and facing up against the Dragons who um depending on who you ask is either one of the top 3 or the definitively the best team in the league right now um they held their own they pushed it to map five um they started very strong and they were able to for throughout this match um they're they're able to start off very strong and continue their their dominance but um the dragons started slow but once they kind of figured out um how the nyxl were playing um they they just they just played better. I think um, they got better value out of their ults. They they, they got better value out of the um, the echo. Um, yeah, this is just another reminder about how good these teams really are, and it's it's a it's a momentum game. Like if you look at um, Rialto, where the the dragons win this game, it's it's an all a game of momentum because once the dragons start pushing, the NYXL can't stop, and once the NY XL like get stopped they can't get that footing back on because the, the dragons are just so they're they're so good at establishing a defense yeah i do have to agree like overwatch is a big game of momentum especially in the league when it's you know best of five first to three um and it, yeah it was insane like um I'm, I'm trying to look up the uh san francisco shock uh twitter right now um because they had they had a back and forth with the NYXL um, after their game. Uh, where was it? All right, a lot of May the Fourth memes. <laughs> by the way, happy Revenge of the Fifth. Uh, Revenge of the Fifth. Yeah, oh, by the way, it's so it's Cinco de Mayo today. Also, Revenge of the Fifth. Yeah. If you're if any of you don't know what Cinco de Mayo is about. Cinco de Mayo was a battle that the the Mexican military won. I believe it was against the French. Um, I could be wrong about who they were fighting, but it was a military victory against the French. Mexico eventually did lose the war. Um, so this was if people didn't really celebrate it until Dos Equis decided, hey, let's get people who don't know Mexican history to buy our beer. So they said, celebrate Cinco de Mayo. And all the people who didn't know anything about Mexican history is like, oh, this must be like Mexican Independence Day, which it's not. Um, so they bought all the beer. And then now we have Cinco de Mayo as a thing where we drink beer and eat tacos. Okay, I found it. <laughs> so the NYXL um, tweeted at the SF Shock that says, who says peace? And it's like the hand peace sign, right? Um mm. And the shock replied, "Your two O lead." <laughs> and then NYXL replied back with, "Your MVP." And they said, "Unlucky oh. that the Dragons came back. Uh, comeback game was stronger than yours tonight." And they said, "Come play with the big boys, and we'll see how it goes." I'm like, "Oh, this is this is getting good." 
It's getting real good. So, yeah, it's a little bit of bickering back and forth, but I, I like that. I, I want to see these two teams go head to head eventually. Um, because you know they both have star caliber. Um, it's just yeah, you know who who will perform especially. Like I do understand like it's cool. Like you could you could hit the shock while they're down. They don't have they don't have Sinatra anymore. But like you know choke a two zero lead is kind of a big deal. Uh, and like a, another one I think later on, which was like um, the I think Super tweeted at it later, and it was like. Um, who says peace right and then um, it was I think it was after the your MVP comment um, he replied like your finals appearance <laughs> it's <laughs> like oh my god like everybody is going after each other's heads but honestly like this Twitter feud was just so good uh, it, it was worth it the Twitter it, feuds I think are my favorite part of quarantine overwatch yeah like people are just willing to go at each other's necks here and it makes it a lot of fun and it makes the games a little bit more exciting too. Cause now if you watch, you know, if NYXL face off against the San Francisco shock, you do have that like discussion that we could have now. Speaking of the San Francisco shock, they faced the uh, Houston outlaws also this week. Um, this is the shocks first match after Sinatra officially announced his retirement, but he, like, he wasn't playing in the last couple of weeks anyway. And the shock are doing fine. Um, so this was, this was an interesting match because I believe last year, um, the San Francisco shock lost to the outlaws, which was surprising considering how poorly they were doing last season. And they were one of the only teams to force a loss out of the San Francisco shock. So if anyone was going to do well against them, um, there were hopes that it was going to be the Houston outlaws. Um, they didn't get completely rolled. They forced a draw on Paris. So, uh, that was a little bit better than what I was expecting. I was expecting the role. The Outlaws, I don't think, ever had a chance here. The The San Francisco Shock were playing out of their minds. Like, Dante is one of my favorite... I think he's... I, I can say this one. He's, he's my favorite player in the league right now. And just watching him play was painful because Rascal and Stryker were just wrecking him absolutely. No matter what he picked, they they were able to catch him out so that the DPS line was just kind of weak. Um, I don't think that the outlaws really did anything especially wrong. I think maybe just looking at how hard the shock were playing them, it might've just been like, it felt like they were proving that they didn't need Sinatra to be good. And then there was especially pressure here not to lose against a lower, I would say kind of lower middle team like the outlaws like this just proves like they don't need sinatra but at the same time this i feel like this is the one thing that you have to take away um rascal's a flex god like, rascal oh, absolutely can play anything at any time and if you give him a character that can duplicate and take your enemies like character essentially he's gonna make the best out of it and he's one of the scariest players on that and that's that's why rascal's echo is, is like that was the one thing I was like mainly afraid of. It's like it, when Echo comes in, like who's gonna stop Rascal? But yeah, I feel like it's gonna be like if they faced. I felt like the Houston Outlaws would have given them a run, um, considering like Linkster's one of the best hit scans in the game. Um, mm -hmm. But with the amount of pressure that that Echo gives for a team, um, it it is kind of insane. So um, 
yeah i i feel like that's one thing that you have to keep in check um the the paris map game obviously felt like it forever um it's just one of those maps um and i'm honestly glad that it's another rotation um they are working on reworking that map um so i'm really happy about that but um yeah the there's a lot of like story history between the outlaws and the shock um in general um like for example dante played for the shock in his first season we traded you they gave him dante and we got smurf out of the out of the trade and some money mm-hmm. um so now we play with smurf because we needed a tank and you guys use dante all the time which is good um and then harsha is the team of the is the coach for the outlaws who was the coach for the shock season one so uh we have all we have a little bit of history in between these two teams and then on top of that like super and dante are still like really cool friends really really good friends um so there, there's like videos it's really funny um of a vod review with with super and dante um and he's like watching his like recording and super's like what are you doing here like what what why are you all the way over here where where's your team why are you going over there and he's like uh, you, you wouldn't understand like that's just how we play and i'm like dude yeah dude th- where's your championship <laughs> like <laughs> like this is no <laughs> like it's really funny to just hear them bigger back and forth um and also dante and his girlfriend fran uh put out a uh put out a video like can like how can it promoting e-dating where it's just like you know what what you can do during quarantine is still be in a relationship like Mm-hmm. They'll fall asleep on Discord together, watch videos at the time and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay. Zoom <laughs> dates. Yeah, Zoom dates. I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, I, I understand, like, all of this is really fun. Um, but, yeah, honestly, uh, it's it's weird. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad, like, this match was really good. It was really fun to watch um, for the little clips that I were able to catch. Um, but... Yeah, I, the whole, I I keep up with the Twitter man. Like that's that's all that, that I'm that I'm hearing here. I was honestly, it was really weird to me to see that Blase was the one playing, um, Echo instead of Dante most of the time. Like da- Dante did have his time on the Echo, just considering how how dominant Dante was on the Echo Community Tournament. That I, as good as he is on like Tracer. Or or the Sombra, I was expecting maybe they try to move him over, um, but even when he was playing it, like just rascal man. Yeah, he he's something else. He's insane. Like even if he got destroyed during the Echo Showdown Challenge thing, like he got destroyed like pretty early. Um, but yeah, this just proves like what what really matters, like winning winning the cup or winning the. Uh, winning the game here um but yeah honestly it, it's just really interesting um this whole matchup was great yeah um sad to see the outlaws dominated so badly but again i'm taking heart in the fact that they did take a draw so they didn't get completely rolled and again you're up against i think that i feel like the the San Francisco Shocker in a proving mode where they're proving that they, after their first 
couple of losses to the LA teams that they're still in that mode where they're proving that we still deserve to be mentioned in the top tier teams and without Sinatra we're still going to wreck you all so um I felt like they were playing harder than they normally do and they're probably going to keep doing that for a while just to just to silence anybody who thinks that the these San Francisco Shock were based around Sinatra yeah it just proves that this team still has a lot of talent you can't just discount them like that um the yeah the MVP is gone yeah we understand that but the the shock are still strong without it like it, it's like having a secret weapon and then like not even having to use it like that's essentially what what happened here all right let's move on to day two we had the dynasty versus the spark the hunters versus the nyxl the fusion versus the eternal the mayhem versus the uprising and the defiant versus the gladiators um let's see which ones didn't i watch this weekend this day. i think i might have did I watch everything this day? Yeah, I think I watched at least part of every match this day, which was insane because, again, these matches were going to almost two hours each, which is just... I don't know how about you, Kevin, and I don't know how you do it with watching multiple esports, but this is this was getting exhausting for me. Yeah, it does get exhausting from time to time, like... Especially if you kind of like know what the meta is, like you expect people to run the same thing over and over again, you are going to get bored of what it's going to give you. But um, at a certain point, you're just like, all right, like it, it might swing, it might turn at some point, like it's going to get interesting, I hope. Uh, but yeah, each game has its like patterns, but you will have a round or a certain game where you're just like, okay, yeah, I didn't expect that at all. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones I live for, not the yeah, cut and paste, like every single game is the same thing kind of deal. So I put these out of order in my notes because I watched them out of order. But to start, let's go Spark v. Dynasty. We talked, I mentioned it earlier, but they did lose this one. Um, three to zero again. They really needed to, to show that they have some life in them. Um, they They really, they didn't. It was just, I, I consider, just from what I've seen, I consider that the charge to be a, a little bit better than the spark. So I, w- I was a little bit hopeful that the dynasty could could pull something off here. And they, they started a little... They, the thing about this match that I noticed is that they'll start strong. They'll Maybe they'll cap the point first. And they did this multiple times. They'll take the point first. But the spark will just pull back and they'll wait a little bit. Then they'll come in and they'll take it. And it just repeats throughout the series. The, the soul dynasty can't complete i think that's what they're really looking at now and after that first match on um on busan where it was just like repeatedly getting denied at every turn they just collapsed there's like there's really there's really not much life out of them yeah it's pretty difficult honestly like to watch this game um dynasty just don't feel like they're there yet uh i feel like they're they're still absent um and one of the things like i know it takes a while for at least some of the players who are playing at a more of a casual level um but like old economy and the way how it works in this game is like yeah you're supposed to play a little slow on your first initial like pushes to get ult and then you push in from there um but yeah the dynasty would like take it quick and then they just not do anything with their 
ult advantage. They kind of they used it more aggressively than they really should have. It's one of those things where when you're on defense, when you're trying to hold a point, you use your ults reactively. And when you're mm-hmm. on offense, you use them when you want to. Um, for example, like, you know, you're not going to you're not going to use beat drop until you hear like earth shatter or graviton surge, right? Like you're not going to just right. blow it randomly. Like it's always about answering something with something else. Um, but it's a reactive ult or, or if yeah. you're on attack, you'll use it as like a push ult. Yeah. As an initiation. So it's like things like that. Um, the dynasty would essentially get ult early, use it. And then the spark would just wait until they needed to blow everything and they could do it out of an answer rather than having to just like gamble their way and see if they could win the fight. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I'm just, I really hope that they're able to figure out what's wrong with them next week and, or the week after. Um, cause this is kind of sad for a team that like in the past was still very dominant, still very strong. They weren't championship worthy, but this is not what we're used to out of that team. Um, so moving on to the the NYXL versus the Hunters. Um, traditionally, these teams have swept each other. I think they've only met uh, twice before, I'm correct. They, it was um, the Hunters won, and then the they, they've won win each. So this was kind of a tiebreaker match for them. Um, I this If any match, I think, amplifies the the idea of Clown Fiesta, it's this one. Um, it just felt like it, it was a, th- a one to three win for the NYXL, but it just got so messy. Like how clean they played against the dragons is nowhere to see here. Um, to be fair to the, the hunters, they were, they, I think they did take the NYXL more seriously than they do other teams. They, de- they played more meta than we have seen them. I don't know if that's just because, they couldn't play the Winston like they're used to, um, but it, it just it was none of nothing about this match was clean. Paris went to a draw and they went to their third round of attack on this match. It's it's I feel like the NYXL underestimated how messy the Hunters can make you play, and the Hunters were just like full clown fiesta in this, like just going crazy, doing whatever they wanted to. I, I, this match was painful for me to watch because the NYXL, I think they should have done so much better, but they let the Hunters get under their skin. Yeah, it's one of those games where it's just like, you you let your foot off the gas a little bit. And now, now you're getting punished for it. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of glad that this went the way it did. It shouldn't have been as close, but uh, the Hunters are playing in a way where it is. They they want you to lose your composure, and yeah, then definitely. push, push that way. Um, but the MYXL stayed cool. They did what they needed to do, and they 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 wanted it. They wanted it in the end. So, um, yeah, at, at least they got a win this weekend. Like it, it must have been really tough, especially uh, losing to the Dragons, um, and especially in a very close series. So, uh, this is kind of the redemption redemption game for them. Yeah. Like, I think both sides just played very messily and made a lot of mistakes. Um, So the one point that I'm, like, specifically 
like if you want to look at how messy these teams are playing, um, on the Hunters' second attack on Paris, um, during that first point, um, everyone's all over the map. They're like, no one's grouping up really. The the Hunters are able to push to point, and rather than contest, like the NYXL give up two free ticks to like rotate through the police station, go through the hotel, and then like take a long way around to the point and i i really didn't understand that because like i can like we've talked about this before giving up a tick to get better positioning is can be smart at the time but giving up two whole ticks they had 33 seconds left after that that cap but it just didn't seem like a smart move at that point like as you mentioned before your priority is the point as good as positioning is you have to pay attention to the point. And I think had they had they been more cognizant of that and and not underestimated the hunter's ability to play scrappy, then maybe they would have won this a three oh, maybe could have stopped this here instead of getting the draw. Yeah, it's one of those things where you wanna go in as a team, uh, especially when you're when you're trying to get that last push in. Um but at the same time you have to realize sometimes you just gotta put your foot on the gas and get in there to even let your team get that opportunity. Um, and yeah, this is just one of those examples. Like, yeah, you could give up one or two ticks, but like, you know, once you get the third tick, like that's, that's the round, like you have to, yeah. you have to go. Um, sometimes it's hard to tell people to just like, you know, go in there. Like, uh, like the, the thing that I did, like in my games, like I'll tell my team, like I'll bribe my team. Uh, because usually it's just a bunch of friends who we're playing with, right? I'm like, guys, I swear, if you guys hit W right now, I'll buy you all pizza. I don't care. Like, if you if you win the point, if you win the point, I'm sending you guys all the pizza. And they're like, wait, are you serious? I'm like, go, 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 go. And they'll be like, oh, and they'll just go in there. And sometimes they'll win, sometimes they'll lose. So I have I have a pizza tally. Uh, but honestly, like, like, sometimes you just got to go. Sometimes you just, you you can't, like, always be tactical about it you have to get on there um in order to prevent point from being capped it's it's just one of those things how many pizzas have you had to buy um over the course of this uh quarantine i think i owe like five five medium one topping pizzas which is pretty solid um because we were one of them wasn't valorant we were playing it and i was telling everybody i was like hey we're we're really we're really far down right now. I don't care. I just want to win. I don't want to lose like seven zero. Okay, so like, if we win this round, pizza's on me. And they're like, okay. And so <laughs> they won that round, right? And then one of my friends, like one of the guys who was in my group, he was like, he kept like doubting himself on like whether he could push and like make a play, right? And he's like, oh man, guys, I can't do it. I can't. I'm like. Okay, every single time that you say I can't, I'm going to remove a pepperoni from your pizza. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm going to go over to your house. I'm going to take a pepperoni off of your slice and eat it in front of you. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, I'm just getting you a cheese pizza at this point. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, no topping. You just, you just no get, topping pizza. Yeah, you just, you just, just, just the marinara sauce. Yeah, you just get marinara sauce. That's, that's all you You just get know. a margarita pizza without the, without the cheese. No, yeah, no cheese. No, no, no basil either. Like, you, you just, just burn pizza. I'm just sending you a slice of bread with pizza sauce. That's your, <laughs> that's your prize winnings. Okay. Uh, it's just one of those things. 
Um, yeah, like sometimes you just got to bribe your team to tell them to go forward. Uh, it, it, it works. That yeah. Um, I will say for the New York Excel, like especially during that, that Paris push, what they really showed is that like when te- some teams will pull back when they lose a, a player, the NYXL are, are one of those teams where even if they're down a player, they can win the 5v6. Even if they're just a one person on the point, they can stall out long enough for their team to get back and take the point or hold it. So um, I definitely think that the New York Cell is a team to watch out for. I, I think that the, the May tournament is going to end up being NYXL versus the Dragons. I don't know who's going to win that, in depending on how the NYXL do in the next couple weeks. But if they're playing this strong, um, minus the Clown Fiesta, I think it's it's definitely a good sign for that team. Um, so moving into Fusion versus Eternal, um, this is a a rematch. I think this is the third time they something like that that they've faced off in recent history. Um, the Fusion, of course, are are such a strong strong team. They took this three to two, um, and people are always sleeping on the Paris Eternal. Like I've I've seen so many power rankings like both casters are doing this and a lot of fans of the league are doing this. They're putting the, the Paris eternal in, in a middle tier team. Mm. I think that if you put the Paris eternal in a middle tier, then you're really not paying attention to the overwatch league. And you're not paying attention to the Paris eternal because as dominant as the fusion are for Paris to force them to a, a map five shows that they still are a strong team despite them losing to a middle tier team or a rising middle tier team like the the uh Florida Mayhem. It's just they they I don't even know. And another thing that they that was interesting about the Paris Eternal this week. So they have a new healer fielder who was playing the Ana. He was signed the day before that they started playing apparently and he's playing from Korea with 200 ping. And like What's even more surprising about that is he's playing an Ana, who's a projectile hero, a projectile sniper hero. And you're playing her, and you're able to kill an Echo in the air. Like, what is this kid? Yeah, some pro players can play on pretty much anything. Just imagine, like, you could have the greatest high-end computer that costs, like, you know, $10,000 RGB, like, fully tricked out, or, like, you know, have the best Ethernet cable in the world hooked up to something. But, you know, like an, an Overwatch League pro playing on a freaking potato can probably still out-snipe you in a freaking 1v1. It is, it's one of those things where they understand how much the latency is going to hit them, so they do things according to that. So they could calculate that in certain ways. It's insane. Like, like I was watching a another game with um, Overwatch League tryouts. And they were saying, oh, yeah, he was playing with uh, a player in China, and he had 150 ping. But he was still doing better than somebody who was, like, in the U.S., like, literally in the gaming house. It is insane. So now imagine if all these guys were on the same ping, on the same level. This guy is going to be insane. Yeah, that's that's what that's what the discussion was about fielders. Like, if he's doing this well, having been signed the day before with really high ping, like imagine what he can do when like he's he's 
playing at normal ping and like he's he's more established with the team like honestly people should be paying more attention to paris i think paris is a great team and they they were very close it's really strong play for both sides and philly still the more dominant team eqo was like we haven't seen him in a while but him on his echo was fantastic not the level of of rascal yet but still so good yeah, he's going to be scary, and you you have to consider EQO is going to be the Echo player, and then you have Carpe on your hit scan. Like, you can't discount either one of these guys, so they're going to be insane um, going into this, you know, midseason tournament. Um, but yeah, I do have to agree. Paris is one of those teams that a lot of people sleep on, and they're a great team. Like, you don't realize how good they are until, like, yeah, they might have a game where they like lose one to somebody. They might lose a series here or there, but every team does that. Like the greatest teams in the league will do that. But yeah, Paris is insanely strong and like shouldn't be discounted. They are not a middle tier team. They're probably I would I would give them definitely like top 5. Like they're in there somewhere. Okay, let's see. Who was the next? The so the Mayhem versus the Uprising. Um, oh, wait, really quickly, just wanted to also point out we still haven't seen Chipsa, so um, I don't know if the Uprising or, or if the, the Defiant want to sign him, but the, the man still has had no play time. Um, where's Chipsa? Anyway, um, so the Mayhem versus the Uprising. The Mayhem stomped the Uprising last week. Um, the Uprising, of course, are the at the bottom of the league right now. Um, they only have the six players, um, but this week they, they did a lot better. They they were able to force out second attacks on both Hollywood and Hanamura. Um, so they're, they're definitely showing some signs of life. It's still not enough. Um, the Florida didn't get the steamroll that did. They still got the win. Um, I think Jerry still is what's carrying the... Um, Boston Uprising, Jerry, I think, is their bright spot. Without him, uh, I don't know. I don't know if they'd be able to to do as well as they, they do. Yeah, honestly. Uh, just let, let Jerry go to a team that will use him. Uh, I mean, it. if you need more players, I mean, there's a, there's a certain Vancouver team that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, so, yeah, go and sign them maybe. Um, okay, so Defiant versus the Gladiators. I I watched most of this. I just I didn't feel the need to finish it all the way. Um, it went one to three. The Defiant took the first match, um, which was Lee Jong. Um, but the Gladiators came back and they just steamrolled after that. I think maybe they just needed a little bit of waking up. Um, but the Gladiators were definitely favoring a, a slower meta they're slower pushes they're they're waiting out their ultimates they're being they're building them up faster and then pacing them out better than the toronto defiant did um but that's really that's really all i took from from that match um but i guess the big thing this week was that this was of course the first week that echo was being played a lot of teams are really still learning how to use her um and, and it's interesting seeing the different picks that uh, the teams are going. Like I think in the Chinese teams traditionally that they're just going 
for the tanks. And then slowly they started going for for the healers. Um in, in the Western teams, it's it's more of a grab bag, really. Um typically uh it's the Winston that people are trying to copy just because his ult can give him so much more health. So you have a lot of health as Echo and his ability to crowd control on the point. Another really two other really interesting um picks that I saw were the uh the brig pick when you're copying because she gets her her rally really fast so that's definitely good for survivability plus the um the arisa when you copy the arisa even if you get for uh, two time out if you get your ult off right before and put up the shield like they will last even after you you um get taken out of the ult by time like a lot of the ult she copies can't do that like sigma ult if you're ulting while you time out then your ult is done if you're diva then i think at least when i played her a couple weeks ago like the, the mech goes away yeah it's some of the things where like ults will extend past echoes like stability is kind of weird you know um but i do understand like yeah you want the advantage you can copy brig um I feel like there's there's one thing that I like I would change. This is just me, um, and discussing, you know, the whole idea of Echo. Um, I feel like if you die in Echo's ult, right? Like if you're Echo and you copy someone and you die, you shouldn't be able to respawn where you're at with, you know, 200 HP doing it again, right? Like I feel like if you die with ult, you die with ult. Like you die as Reinhardt. Like that's like yeah you lose your echo in that in that time it shouldn't just be like oh okay you lose like you you lose the ability to copy it should be like no you lose the character like that's how it should be honestly i think just her her flanking ability and the power of the sticky bombs are are just so strong like the the different pairing the most synergistic pairings i've seen uh throughout the weekend were probably the Arissa and with the Ash because with the Ash you got like all three of them together are a damaged powerhouse because you have the halt to pull everybody together the um the dynamite from the Ash plus the sticky bombs from Echo and if anyone's alive just focus beam them down and the team's essentially dead um a lot there was a lot of on the first day with the Chinese teams there was a lot of um Tracer and Echo synergy because from what I saw it was Echo doing like a lot of burst damage with the um the sticky bombs, then Tracer to clean everybody up. Anyone Tracer can't get, then Echo can finish off. Um what, what did you think about like pairings or or counters to Echo? Uh I I do feel like with McCree and Widow out, it Echo's life was easy. Uh she she had a lot of free flight and free airspace to take. Um but yeah, I feel like that pairing was fine. Like, Echo Tracer gets him low, and then you beam him down. Or with Ash, if you if you are utilizing Arissa for that, you get the pull into that as well. Um, if you really want to erase a team, just pull Sticky Bomb and Fire Strike. Like that's that's it. Like you you erase teams really quickly that way. Um, that should be how it goes. Um, but yeah, synergy is going to be really interesting going into the rest of the weeks, knowing that uh, Echo is going to be uh, still here for a little bit. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how everything plays out. 
What do you think about Mercy coming back next week? How is that going to affect? Because teams are still learning how to play Echo. So um, what do you think about the introduction of Mercy into that? So we get the... the what is the, the ship name for those two? Like Mecco? I, I don't know. Uh, Mirko? But yeah, the Mercy Echo deal. This is... Okay, this is just my my idea this is a 50 50 kind of deal that we're going on here okay um there's two ways to play with echo there's the the play around like high in the sky all the time kind of deal and then there's the one where you let echo kind of flank around kind of play like a mccree uh in that fact but i want to see it if it's possible if any team is going to do it it's going to be either the shock or the hunters we're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, it's gonna be Echo Fara. Okay, you put the Mercy on on the Fara, and you let Echo do her own thing. Okay, on the ground game, you run, you run not a dive. You run like a classic like Ryan Ryan Diva kind of deal, um, uh-huh. and you keep. I think the last one is still the Lucio, but in this like idea. You dominate the skies. You literally, like, if anybody wants high ground, you don't give it to them. You, they just don't have any high ground advantage. It's going to be really scary when they play, like, Dorado or, a, you know, any map that has, like, two stories of elevation that's really prominent. Because what will happen is, like, you'll be watching the Echo, and the Echo will be doing sticky bombs and beaming you from across the way. The other half is a damage-boosted Fara hitting you on the other side. So you either have to deal with the Echo or you deal with the Farah. And while that's happening, the classic push of, you know, Ryan Lucio um, and whoever their other tank is, it could be D.Va, it could be Zarya, it's just walking in normally. So you have to worry about different flank angles at the same time. So, yeah, I want to see that happen, especially with the, the current hero bands aren't going to affect that play at all. Um, but it will depend on the hit scan. If the hit scan is readily available... Um, they might be willing to take that on, but otherwise they're going to get overwhelmed 100%. I'm excited to see, hopefully next week, some dogfights in the air. Like with, with the, essentially you could have up to six characters in the air at one time. So it's like a ground fight and an air fight at the same time. So I'm really excited. I'm hoping to see some Farah and Neko play because, I mean, up to this point, the only character that has been able to fly is really been the Farah. So um, they, their play styles are still so very different that I think there's there's value in both of them. But I want to see how they play together. Um, hoping to see that. Uh, you should try that out in your uh, in your games. Like I feel like it's really interesting to have both Echo and Farah in the air because it's just a lot more to control. And then meanwhile, your ground game is just really strong and just sitting there and pushing... Like a classic your mercy is going to have to be really on it though yeah it's fine you just hop between whoever's low on healing and just give damage whenever needed so um yeah obviously easier said than done uh the other thing is like you could swap the lucio for a moira so if you want a little bit more damage on the ground you can do it that way but it is like it is a very interesting composition like one team dominates the skies the other team is either fully surrounded or picks them off one at a time so it's very hard in that fact well next week we're going to be seeing um the hit scan return um so for for the uh, 
If you listen to our news section, you've already heard this, but yet again, the Overwatch League is and Overwatch in general is changing how hero pools are done. Quick recap: um, they're changing the entire system. The usage is only going to be taken from the owl game so percentages of of hero picks from competitive i mean after what what has it only been two weeks of this it, this is already out the window um the pools are only going to affect the the league for this upcoming week um in the future in patch 1.48 whenever that comes um only comp matches from master and grandmaster above a 3500 sr are gonna um encounter the hero pools there's going to be a new algorithm that they're going to introduce so that there is a variance in hero availability. Um, so I think they've updated the percentages. I don't think this is how it used to be. 10 to 35 is one ticket. 35 to 56, I mean to 65 is two tickets in the um, the pool. And 65 plus is three tickets. I don't know why, but this week they went back to um, picking them by hand. Um but so this week, uh, our bands are going to be Sigma, Brig, Reaper, and Ash. So the the hit scan is going to be available, Kevin. So we'll yes. see if that discourages the 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 dog fights. So yeah, the the thing about that whole mentality is if you let's say if you pick McCree, right? If you pick McCree in this fact, you do have the stun, you have the roll, you have enough damage output, but. If you're getting overwhelmed in the sky, then you don't pick that, right? The other answer is like you have to deal with the pharmacy in the air. So it could just be like if a team were to go Echo Echo Fara, the other team has to respond with Widow McCree. Like they have to go one on one and get those picks every time. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out um, if they decide to use it or. Uh, you know, if teams decide to play it a little bit more safe, just go like, you know, just go Echo and Tracer or Echo Echo McCree and just play it kind of slow in that fact. Um, Ryan's not banned again this week, so yay. Uh, and Brig being the band support is kind of interesting, honestly. Um, I still think we're going to see a lot of um, Ana and Lucio now that Lucio's back in, so we'll, we'll be all good. Or uh, Mercy's going to be in for sure. Yeah, so these upcoming next two weeks are still going to be um, figuring out where to seed these teams in for the May tournament at the very end of the month. Um, so next week we're going to be seeing Soul Dynasty versus the Hunters. Wait, I'm on the wrong week? Yeah. I was on week 15. I made the same mistake. All right, we're seeing the Shanghai Dragons versus the Soul Dynasty. Chengdu Hunters versus the London Spitfire, who we haven't seen in a while, so I... I'm going to be forced to watch the Hunters again. Uh, the Gungzo Charge versus the NYXL. The Paris Eternal versus the Gladiators. The Washington Justice versus the Vancouver Titans. The Outlaws versus the Rain. The Valiant versus the Boston Uprising. The Spark versus the Dragons. And the Spitfire versus the Charge. The Dallas Fuel are facing the Philadelphia Fusion. And the Toronto Defiant are facing the Shock. And for the last match, the Florida Mayhem are going to be against the Vancouver Titans. Um, I'm looking forward to see how the Spitfire do. I hope they can resist against the Clown Fiesta. I'm just, I think, I think a lot of people are going to be interested in seeing what happens with the Titans. Is the uh -oh. ro original roster still there? Are they going to even have a team? Are they going to sign a contenders team? What's going to happen? Yeah, let's just hope that they like 
get their act together before this week. Um, by the way, if if you were counting that, you you were not wrong. There are twelve matches. There's seven on Saturday and five on Sunday. Like, it, it's insane. Um, but honestly, like these matches, there's some of them that I I'm for sure gonna watch. Some of them I'm just gonna look at the highlights. Um, just like, yeah, I'm I'm really interested to see what the Vancouver Titans do. They don't have a they literally don't have a team right now. So who do you sign? Who do you make? uh into your next team and we'll see how it goes from there and the shock uh shock versus toronto defiant uh i'm probably gonna take a quick peek at that um whenever i get the chance and i feel like the fuel and the fusion might be an interesting match as well just because like you know fusions are top dog but the dallas fuel have been finding a little bit of a rhythm uh coming into these uh past couple weeks so yeah some of them, I'm like, this is, this is definitely on the radar. Uh, the next week is not so much. So we, we will see how it goes from there. So, yeah, once again, the, these next two weeks, this is the first week of really ranking everybody for the May tournament, um, which is going to be split in between the North America and the Asian divisions. Um, weeks 14 and 15 are going to continue that, and week 16 is when we're going to finally see these teams play in this replacement midseason tournament, this May matchup. Is there anything else we want to talk about? I think, I think we've covered a lot. Um, yeah, uh, we, we pretty much covered the most of it. I would just say, um, if you guys wanted extra overwatch content, uh, Fran was doing a charity tournament with tier two and tier three teams, uh, where she had legit casting going on. It was actually really fun. Uh, to take a peek at um, young and beautiful did really well um, really really appreciate that team um, but yeah honestly if you if you're looking for more there there is more going on just just look around try to find them and uh, you'll, you'll see it all right well thanks for everybody for tuning in and listening this week um, we'll be back at it again next week with our again with the inconsistent number of matches that the league keeps throwing at us but we'll we'll try to get through as many as we can as long as they i mean for me as long as they're like not too far over an hour and a half i'll watch them hopefully not too many two-hour matches this weekend but um if it comes to that it comes to that um hope you have a great week guys and we'll talk to you soon see ya Next week, we see how teams continue to adjust to Echo, and we look forward to the midseason tournament. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms, and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.